Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. Good morning. We've got a lopsided church here today. Um, do we have any elders here today? No. Okay, so I guess I'll... What a few announcements we have. We have the... Um, Anniversary for the uh, Snow Road coming up August uh, the 4th. I believe it's the 4th Sunday in August. And um, then, uh, and I'm going to be the guest speaker, I guess. And then on top of that, uh, we have the Fiddler's uh, Sunday, which is the first, I guess it's the second Sunday in uh, September. Uh, the first Sunday, you must know that uh, Joel is going to be preaching. And uh, I will be in Toronto doing an anniversary service with the, uh, with the church that I was a part of, which was largely multicultural, to say the least. And by that I mean there was every uh, language, I'm sure, on five continents that, uh, that were spoken by the various people of our church. So, I'm, but I'm going there not only to celebrate their anniversary with them, but also to baptize a baby that I did, the couple that uh, are having their baby baptized. Uh, her name is Michaela, and uh, they are going to be, um, um, ba- uh, I, I married them, and I'm going to be baptizing the baby. So uh, it's quite a historic moment for me because um, uh, I think of all the couples, we did an awful lot of weddings there because what often happens is other cultures come over not married and then they get, I don't know uh, what you'd call it, but they get, get convicted and so they did, so I did a pile of weddings in that church. I, I think probably over the eight and a half years, I think about 31 or 32 over that time, and did house blessings. We don't do much of that here, but um, uh, I did a pile of house blessings while I was at that church. Every time they bought a, a new home or they rented a new home, they had a, a time of, uh, of uh, house blessing. They wanted me to come and, and do a house blessing. And that's an event. That's not just a little prayer. <coughs> so... Um, Anyway, we have some good news. The bake sale generated, uh, we could probably say, over $1,400. And uh, that's a good thing. And um, so uh, we're looking forward to, um, to uh, uh, maybe a little bit more, I'm told by Dora. And so I think that, that you ought to be congratulated on that. That's a good uh, response. And there were a number of you who worked, uh, I think of Danny, he, he was right in there like a dirty shirt, weren't you Danny? 
<laughs> anyway, it's nice to see so many people who took part and got involved. Thank you very much for all that you've done. We have a birthday here, or two. Uh, Rita Duncan uh, has a birthday, I understand, early this week. Wednesday, Wednesday right. So, um, <clears throat> and then um, Marjorie um, Scott will have a birthday, I think, has a birthday today. Pardon? Thursday, okay. I I couldn't make up the number actually on the card that she has submitted. So, good. So anyways, I hope to drop by and see that this afternoon and uh, give them our blessing as a congregation. Um, does anybody have any other announcements? Okay. So the uh, call to worship is in your bulletins. Let us uh, together uh, read it from from our from the uh, one-page uh, order of service. Listen, everyone, listen. Why should I fear in bad times? Be shoved around by bullies. This is what happens to those who live for the moment, who only look out for themselves. Snatches us from the clutch of death, reaching down to us, he protects us. We'll open our service with number 575, Lead Me Lord. thank you that you're the one who knows the plan for our lives and you're the only one who really truly can lead us 
guide us daily. We think, Lord, of those who come this morning and those that are traveling and ask, Lord, that you would be with each one. Give them traveling mercies. Keep your hand of protection upon them. We come to you, Lord, because this past week we know we've failed you. And ask, Lord, that you'd forgive our sins and cleanse us from all we've done wrong. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Be assured of this, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all that we've done wrong. Blessed be his holy name. Let's turn to number 683, I Know Not Why. Number 794, which was my grammatical error. Uh, 694. Uh, this is my commandment. I'm going to ask the kids to come and join me while we sing it. 694.
Parents? Yes. <laughs> but you're having fun, aren't you? Anything special you've been doing? Heavenly Father, thank you for our boys and girls, and thank you for their teachers, and we ask you, Lord, to bless them. Be with them in their own children's church activity, Lord, and I will be with Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask you to stand and sing that same chorus. You probably know it off by heart. This is my command that you love one another, and you're going to stand and grieve one another, because... Sunday. Boy, you know, I really enjoy those. 
It's so nice to see them all. Uh, we're going to together pray the prayer that's in your uh, order of service. Listening to God's word. Let's say it together. Today, O oh God, we thank you for who you are. We pray that you will help us get the job done. Give us the strength and grace to serve you with all our hearts so that our efforts will bring many friends and neighbors to you. Amen. I'm going to ask Joel to come and read the scriptures. It's found in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 13 and 21. The story of the greedy farmer. Someone out in the crowd said, Teacher, my order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. He replied, Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on, Take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Then he told them the story. The farmer of a rich of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, What can I do? My barn isn't big enough for the harvest. Then he said, Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather all of my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, Self, you've done well. You've got it made and now retire. Take it easy and take some time with your life. Just then God showed up and said, You fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barns with self and not with God. Thank you, Joel. Now, uh, um, somebody, well, I was talking to somebody this morning, actually, before the service at uh, Eltham, and, uh, and so... They said to me, I've noticed that you're, you're doing another sermon on money. <laughs> and I said, actually not. I'm doing a sermon on values. You see, uh, though I didn't go arbitrarily picking these scriptures, I, the first summer in many years, I am sticking to the lectionary. And so these are the passages. So if you blame anybody, blame those that put it together centuries ago. Um, the fact is that um, uh, I've entitled my message, Building Barns or Postponing Life. Building Barns or Postponing Life. J uh, comedian Jack Benny uh, from TV's Gold. Uh, do all of you know who Jack Benny is? Oh, I'm so glad. He had his, has a skit which illustrates how we place money ahead of everything. So he's walking down the street when suddenly he's approached by an armed robber. Your money or your life, said the robber. There was a long pause. Jack does nothing. The robber impatiently queries, well? And Jack replied, don't rush me. I'm thinking it over. <laughs> this morning I'd like us to think about money and life. And let's see what Jesus has to say again 
about these two subjects, but I'm not really talking about money. I really want us to dig in to this whole element of what we value most. The background of our story is an incident that occurred by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, of course, is teaching to a very large crowd, and a young man bursts into his servant, if you will, and says, Rabbi, tell my brother to divide the inheritance of our father. Of course, Jewish laws, I've said when we did the the story of the uh, prodigal son, it prescribed that at the death of the father, the elder son received two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son received one-third. This is obviously a younger son who's complaining he didn't like the dividing of the money and the estate. But I think that uh, we need to go a little deeper than that. You see, this boy's not asking for his third. If you read it in the original Greek, he's asking for an equal dividing of the funds. It's a very interesting story because I've never seen it until I open my Greek Bible, and I often will uh, open it and read from the Greek to see whether there's any discrepancies in translation. Oh, he wants it divided, all right. But the word suggests in the original Greek that he was wanting an even division. In other words, he wanted to break protocol with how things usually were done. And so he's saying to Jesus, come on now, what would be fair was to divide it in half. Nothing divides families more than dividing up the estate. And uh, we went through that just a few years ago when my mother-in-law, God rest her soul, she's a lovely lady and a very generous lady. And uh, we were dividing some of the stuff up that was, uh, uh, shall we say, the, uh, the material things rather than monetary. And it was, a, it was a, a very interesting process. I stayed out of it because there were three girls involved. I figured, man, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole, so whatever the division is, so be it. But my wife was the oldest child, and, uh, but she was very careful not to tick either of her sisters off, one just a couple of years younger and the other eight years younger. And uh, it went off without much of a hitch. But uh, then uh, everything had been previously uh, monitored, if you will, by mother. Uh, Dorothy was the kind of lady, she knew her stuff and she made the will up because she knew exactly what might happen because the same thing happened with her and her sister. Well, Jesus was concerned really with a much bigger implication because he was talking about a preoccupation, a pre preoccupation with things of this world. And so he starts off, beware of greed, for life does not consist of things possessed. Well, you know that uh, my daughter and son-in-law have uh, moved home from uh, being abroad. You know, they never leave, eh? you know that. They're always there. They're always there. And uh, so this daughter, uh, we went ahead and, and did the painting. And then I brought in an electrician 
and a plumber. Uh, and to make a long story short, when my daughter got there, uh, she said, and I always know there's a query here, she said to us, well, it's really nice, what's the next word? But, you got it. It's really nice, but, and I thought, oh, here it goes. She said, um, you didn't put a fan in the bathroom. And I said, well, you're only going to be here a short time. Well, then I realized why she said that, because these people from Indonesia, they have showers like five times a day. And it's not quite as hot as Indonesia, but I'm going to tell you right now that uh, showers are often many and, and uh, multiple, multiples of, of, of four or five a day. Well, I, you know, I just wasn't used to that. Um, and uh, though I try to shower at least once a day, maybe twice a day, but here these people, you know, every time they get warm, and of course they ride bicycles, so they get warm. Well, I said all that to say this, that um, the, the butt was pretty expensive, but I didn't pay for it. I figure that if you're coming in, then you bring your own furniture with it. Now you gotta understand that they had uh, literally uh, two suitcases, because that's where we were allowed, and their bicycles in boxes. That's all they had, I know, because we met, met them in the Montreal airport and, and uh, drove them home. And um, so as I, as I began to watch, uh, husband was very reluctant, I think that's the word, to uh, get into all of this, all this stuff, because you know what young people like today. What do they like? Does anybody know? What kind of furniture? Ikea! And it's all white. And it's all got to be put together. Well, my son-in-law proceeded to put it all together. There is more furniture. They even, their closet, they built a, they got this mammoth closet downstairs. Um, they have Bookshelving, not bookshelving, because they don't have any books. Uh, but they had shelving for all kinds of things with drawers in them that breathe. You know the kind I'm talking about? Yeah, you can probably see it. And, and, and so this went on and on and on. And they didn't like the, the uh, towel bars at all. So, so, yes, so I said, that's fine. You can change anything you like, but I'm not paying for it. And so we got that out of the way and everything was good. Until uh, he messed up the desk that, that he was gonna be using. You know they, those little dowels that they put every few feet? Well, they didn't quite fit. So he proceeded to use his, no, my drill and, and put them through the surface, but he didn't know that. And then he gets it up, turns it up after he's done. And there's there's little dowels sitting up through the through the, uh, the desk. Well, you know, it was fun to watch, really. Uh, you had to have a sick sense of humor like me. Because, you see, they didn't have anything when they came. 
but they made up for it uh, uh, after about a week. And uh, so the week was, uh, let me see, uh, a week ago Friday, and they have more furniture in that place than I could ever have imagined. Well, that was, that was the fun part, because I didn't have to pay for it, and I didn't have to put it together. Folks, if you've ever put anything together with Ikea stuff, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a lot of work. However, they did it all, and uh, I was glad, and I said to them, you know, you guys have really made this look good. And my daughter said, yeah, but it cost a whole lot more than we thought. And I said, oh, I knew how much it would cost, but I gave you options on all kinds of wonderful and that you could have had, but it didn't suit your purpose. Well, then my daughter started feeling badly. I, I love when I can put guilt on my kids because they're adults now. I used to be able to do that before, but now I'm able to do it as an adult. And it is fun, folks. It is a lot of fun. And so my wife said, you know, you're tormenting them. Uh, after I went upstairs and I said, no, I'm kind of telling it like it is. And I said, yeah, but you had lots of options and you didn't take any of them. That could have saved you money. So my daughter says, okay, that little table that you had over in the cottage, uh, I'm going to sand it down. But, you know, I've got to be able to strip it. And I said, no, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that at all. All you have to do is get something called a, a sander. Well, she thought she died from in heaven because this took off the paint, almost took it down to the, uh, almost to the, the center, past the, the outside. And uh, it was fun to watch because it was all work. And uh, now they were getting a bit of a taste of what it is to live in the real world because, beloved, they have not worked on anything in like six years, they built a house in, 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 um, in um, Nelson, British Columbia. And uh, I guess they did a lot of work on it. I wasn't there, and I'm glad I wasn't. But uh, the fact is that by the time we arrived visiting them, uh, the house was finished. I said that to say this, that it's amazing how little stuff is really of any value today. Jesus here is, is telling a story. And the point of the story is this man who is a farmer. And he's, he's hit it rich. He had an unbroken run on prosperity. He had successfully, we would say today, played the commodities market and come up good. So prosperous did he become that his barns couldn't hold all the crops. His solution, tear down his barns and build bigger and better barns. Then with his financial security in place, he could sit back and truly enjoy life. Truth be told, when we hear this story, I don't know what your response is, kind of feel sorry for the man. Because you see, we work real hard to come to the place of retirement or their uh, or semi-retirement. This man had it made in the shade. It even says that in the uh, in the uh, in, in Peterson's uh, translation 
of the, new, of the whole Bible, really, the message. Jesus, though, concludes this story, and he makes a rather harsh statement. He calls the greedy farmer a fool. I, I think that was a little harsh. I don't know about you, but I think that was a bit harsh, and I still do. The issue before us, then, is we have to ask ourselves, what did he do wrong? I mean, he did what most of us would do. If you take it down to the bare facts, most of us would do the same thing. Because that's our culture. That's our understanding. We work hard, give it all we've got, come to the place where we realize, you know what, retirement's not so far away. And we start to say to ourselves, now what do we do? Well, first of all, I want you to, I want you to know four things. There are four simple things. First of all, the man, the farmer, was a fool because he had full barns. That's hard to understand. That doesn't make any sense. But the fact is that he had an empty heart. He was a rich man in most people's eyes, but he was poor in God's eyes. The question that we need to ask ourselves this morning then is are we rich in God's eyes? Forget about all the people around you. You may be esteemed as, as the greatest person that everybody knows. But are you, are you rich in God's eyes? St. Jerome writing about 1400 AD 400 AD, excuse me, mentions in a letter a woman who preferred to store her money in the stomachs of the needy rather than in her purse. And I think that's a good thing. You know, it, it's all right to make good investments. I believe those, believe in that in 100%. And as, as long as we recognize that the best investment we can make is in the kingdom of God. The only future that is sure, the future that God has for you and for me. That's the only secure future. God will be with us whether or not the NASDAQ ever returns to 5,000 again or simply that the bottom drops out of the market completely. God will be with us. That's a given. And as a matter of fact, it's a wonderful and reassuring uh, piece of news. Leo Tolstoy once wrote a story about a successful peasant farmer. He was not satisfied with his lot in life, so he wanted to make more of everything, and he gets, he receives an offer from someone, I don't know who, but it's an interesting one. For a thousand rupees, he could buy all the land he could walk around in one day. Has anybody ever heard that story? It's a, it's a great story. And uh, the only catch was that he had to be back at the starting point by sundown. And so early the next morning, he starts out walking at a pretty fast pace. And by midday, he's very tired, but he keeps going, kind of moves a little faster, covering more and more ground. Well, into the afternoon, he realizes that his greed has taken him far from the starting point, And he quickens his pace as the sun begins to sink low the sky. And now he, he's, he's not just jogging, he's running, knowing that if he did not make it back by sundown, all odds are off. 
the opportunity to become an even bigger landlord would be lost. And so as the sun begins to sink below the horizon, he came with, within sight of, of course, the finish line. Gasping for breath, his heart pounding, he called upon every inch of his strength left in his body, and he staggers across the finish line before the sun disappears. He immediately collapses, blood streaming from his nose and his mouth. In a few minutes, he's dead. And afterwards, his servants dig a grave. And it wasn't much over six by three, three six feet by three feet. And the title of Tolstoy's story is How Much Man, How Much Land Does a Man Need? How much land does one need? And I suppose, you know, the six by three piece of, of earth that we end up with is a lot less today because I, I buried both my, my parents' remains in an urn. And that means that it's about a foot by a foot by two feet, or maybe a little bit more. But the point is, it doesn't take many square feet. Jesus, like Tolstoy, is warning us that we had better not put our trust in materialism, but value those things that give ourselves away to someone every day. Think about that now. Now, farmers do that in a large scale. They give us everything we eat. Praise God for farmers. I mean, every day when I sit down to breakfast, I say, Lord, thank you for farmers. You know, have some cereal and, and some milk. All came from the local farmer. But the fact is that God isn't talking, or Jesus isn't talking about that. What he's trying to project is that we need to understand and ask ourselves the question, how much barn does a man need? Uh, I shared with the, with the Elfin crowd and Snow Road crowd this morning that I uh, finished my house. Absolutely finished. It's taken me four years, but it's finished. Absolutely, down to the last dot and tittle. Uh, and, and, uh, and I said, if I suppose if my daughter and son-in-law not moved back, it still wouldn't be done, and it might be not be done for years. So there's a good side to all of this. But really, as we think about it, that is that all of us have to understand that God has a divine plan for every one of us, and it, folks, is perfect. It's perfect. The man in the in the parable was a fool not because he wanted full he wanted bigger barns to fill up the tremendous blessing that he had but to recognize that we need to invest what God has blessed us with into people into people into others and that's the important thing so that's the first thing the other points are, are really very short. Second man, the second thing that this man was, and it was awfully hard. As I said, I still can't get over Jesus calling somebody a fool, but he did. And, uh, but the second thing 
that this man did was he overestimated his own value in the greater scheme of things. Listen to how he talked. I store, I will store up grain. I will build bigger barns. I will say to myself, and on and on it went. But the point is, he said 10 times, either I or my or me, in four short verses. He didn't see that others contributed to the bounty he was finding himself with. But it was God. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. We prefer, of course, in Canada to call ourselves a commonwealth or part of a commonwealth rather than a state. And uh, I suppose that even then we need to recognize that we live for each other. If a commonwealth understanding is to be appreciated, we live for each other. What a wonderful thing. But that was Christ's plan in the first place. We live for each other. <laughs> I once read where a PhD uh, uh, person who was in agriculture said that by his estimates, nature pro provided 95% of the energies necessary to produce a crop while the farmer provides 5%. Now, I didn't write this. I want you to understand. I don't necessarily believe it, but it's interesting that a PhD uh, person in, in agriculture would make that kind of a statement. No, Jesus isn't even suggesting that because it takes a lot of hard work. In the movie, in the movie Shenandoah, James Stewart, all of you know who he is, played a Virginia farmer during the Civil War. And he begins every meal with the same prayer. Here it is. Lord, I planted the seed. I plowed the ground. I gathered the harvest. If I hadn't have put this food on this table, it wouldn't be here. But we thank you anyway. <laughs> we need to understand that the role of God's grace and his mercy all contribute to how wonderful a life we really have. Third, this man was a fool because he forgot what his real business in life was all about. This man thought that his business was about commodities and markets. But Jesus wants us to think on a deeper level of values. Uh, all of you, well, not maybe all of you, but many of you have probably read Charles Dickens' memorable novel, The Christmas Carol. And Jacob Marley, his Scrooge's deceased business partner, visits him one evening. And Marley is chained to large books and ledgers. And he says to, to Scrooge, Marley does, these are the links that I have forged in life. And Scrooge kind of protests. He says, but these were the things of business. And Marley groans back, business? Mankind was my business. The common good for all was my business. That's what we mean by a commonwealth. And Jesus is suggesting to us that our business life goes far beyond tally sheets, investments, and tax forms. The latter we could do without. Our real business is people. The church's business is people. The Christian's business is people. And if we spend too much time concentrating on what we are to become, then we lose sight 
of what we are being. Several years ago, there was a very powerful movie starring John Hurt called The Doctor. I don't know if anybody ever saw it, but it's a few years ago. And this particular doctor was just business-like. He really didn't seem to care about his patients. He had absolutely no rapport with his patients. And one day he's in his office and he's speaking to an Hispanic farmer and his family. He had run some tests on the man and the verdict was coming out. This man was seriously ill. A matter of fact, he was very sick. And uh, the doctor says to him, sir, if I were you, I'd get my affairs in order. And at that, the Hispanic farmer places one arm around his wife and his other arm around his kids. And he says very simply, but profoundly, sir, my affairs are in order. What is our business of life? Not to be successful, it's to be faithful. Success is part of the process. And God desires, I believe, more than anything else to see us succeed. As a matter of fact, he works night and day to put our best face forward. But it's to love people. That is our business. The fool, foolish farmer never grasped that. But there's a fourth thing in this that close. This man was a fool because he forgot about something called time. Time waits for no one. We've heard all the cliches. His whole attitude was in life was that time was unlimited, but it's not. Last night, Catherine and I were sitting out on the patio by ourselves. It's nice not to have company. Incidentally, I also had my brother and his wife. They packed up their trailer into our cottage lot and stayed for 10 days. And uh, always nice to uh, get together with family, but you know what? I'll tell you, I was glad when they were gone. Not because I don't like them, but it's just nice to hear the crickets make noise. It is. It's, it's peaceful. And uh, so I was sitting down with Catherine, and I just finished a lovely dinner, most of it from her garden, except for the, the meat. And, uh, and I said to her, you know, I, I think, you know, if I died today, I, I, I would feel like I had a great life. And she said to me, as after thinking, pondering it for a minute or two, she said, you know what, I agree with you. I think it would be to know that we brought up our kids, they've gone on to do well for themselves, and we have a place and a relationship with a God who loves us. I think that would be a great thing, and it would be. But you know, time seems to take away uh, the, the, the forgetting time takes away the goodness of what God can do. Because you see, we kind of just recognize that time's going to go on anyway. I have a, a real quirk about digital clocks and watches. You see, I have a watch that is a clock, and then I have a watch that is digital. Uh, this one kind of though is a, is a, Time, I, I don't know what it's called, but a tidbit, something like that, is because it's not, what is it? Fitbit, thank you very much. <laughs> I just know that it tells me how many steps I take each day. My goal is to get 10,000 a day, and I've been doing it 
pretty consistently. The odd day a month when I have to travel somewhere, it doesn't work quite that well. But, but most times it does. And it's a wonderful thing because it keeps me exercising, keeps the heart going well and, and energy levels up. But the fact is that this farmer, his whole attitude in life was that time was unlimited. And when I look at my watch, there's a sweep going on all the time. And it's always meticulous. Uh, this watch is a very good watch. I got it as a gift from, from uh, one of my congregations and I've worn it ever since. But the thing I like about it is that it, when I look at my watch, it's now about 13 minutes to 12, just to let you know. And I'll be done in time. Uh, but, but as I look at my watch, I'll say this to my daughter asked me this week, so what time is it? I said, 10 to 10. And she said, what? I said, it's 10 to 10. And she said, why don't you say 9.50? I said, because it's 10 to 10. I have 10 more minutes before I have to do something else. I have 10 more minutes. And I said, you know, your problem with, as young people is that time is kind of meaningless. Oh yes, you're on time because you're a teacher. But, but, you know, I have 10 more minutes to enjoy what I'm doing. She kind of shook her head and walked away. But the fact is that digital watches, or, or whether they're on your arm, or, or, hand, or whether they're on, you read your cell phones, the problem with them, though, is time doesn't seem quite as important if we learn to see time as 9.53, then we see time only in the context of the immediate moment. But I like to look at time in the larger context. It's absolutely lethal for Christians to see time only as right now. Though we are told in Scripture that all we have is right now. The world looks at time as, well, it doesn't really matter. I've got more time, or I've got less time, or I've got to be at an appointment at a certain time. The Christian should learn to view time as moving towards something. How many people have I known who spent all their lives building their barns and postponing life? Think of it. It may be good to save our money for a rainy day. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a good thing. But when we save our life for a rainy day, at the expense of everything else that we have to go through, we are just living for the dollar and not for the time that God has placed us on this earth. Because folks, Time has a nasty habit of running out on us, doesn't it? The clock is relentless. It beats us down, it's always ticking, and there never seems to be enough of it. But regardless of what we do or fail to do, that clock keeps ticking. There are people all around us who say, well, heaven can wait. It's a foolish person who builds barns, but postpones life. Amen? Amen. Just pray.
Dear God, we thank you for your love for us, for your care for us. But most of all, Lord, as we, we close this service in just a few moments, we ask that you would help us value each moment as an opportunity to touch the lives of others or, or, or pray. Regardless of what we do, Lord, may we invest our time in your kingdom and your people all around us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your hymn books to number 776, and we'll sing the first and last verses. 776, Jesus, Life of All the World. After all, they initially came from you. Use both gift and giver for the ongoing work of your kingdom, both here at home and around the world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. 
We're going to go to, to pastoral prayer for the people. Thank you. You may be seated. And... Um, Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Thank you.